0: Episode 24 starts now.
1: Welcome to ShareMo EDU.
0: We are a team of two Missouri lead learners sharing stories across the state and beyond through the lens of education. I'm Dr. Renee Hawkins, principal at Maple Elementary School in Smithville, Missouri. And
1: I'm Dr. Eric Carlin, Elementary Assistant Principal at Maple Elementary in Smithville, Missouri.
0: This week's guest, Rebecca Coda, describes herself as a Christian, educator, boundary pusher, ambassador of hope, and writer. Co-author of "Let Them Speak" and "Escaping the School Leader's Dunk Tank," and contributing author to the "Fire Within" book. Be prepared to be inspired by this advocate. Welcome, Rebecca.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here. Okay. I always—it's always nice to meet people, even if it's online um, uh, from social media, just to put name with the face. So, thank you.
1: Yeah, awesome. So, Rebecca, help our audience get to know you and just tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. Um, I'm new to Arkansas, so I just moved here a year ago, um, and I took a position as a K-12 Director of Curriculum and Instruction. So I'm a lead learner in um, support principals, instructional coaches, and, and basically that curriculum and instruction cycle here in uh, Cabot, Arkansas, and it has just been amazing. Um, just a, a great collaboration uh, of people moving forward. And so it's been a great experience. Um, prior to that, um, I was a classroom teacher, um, instructional coach, uh, technology integration specialist, ELA specialist. So I've kind of uh, kind of done it all. And uh, most recently, an author, which is really exciting because I didn't even know I was an author until I met uh, Dr. Jetter. And here we are two books later, and we're still moving forward, full steam ahead. So... It's been a really exciting career. Awesome. Very cool. Well, one of your hashtags comes from your new book, Let Them
0: Speak, so your hashtag, Let Students Speak. Can you tell us what this hashtag means to you and how you honor it?
2: Yes, really it's about honoring students and their plot lines. because really, truly, high quality customer service for kids—it's all about relationships and connecting with kids. And so many times, as educators, we just we tend to miss the boat because you know we're meeting in PLCs, we have data chats going, we, we've got every schematic uh, running in the background, trying to figure out how to support our kids. And we, the crazy thing is, we never really even stop to ask them what they think. And it really, truly is that missing data point, but it's more than that. Um, It's really about relationships and um, making that lifelong impact on kids. In fact, this morning I I was looking, uh, or I created a tweet, it was along the lines of our our students aren't going to remember our lessons or our lesson plans, but when we empower them with student voice, it has that possibility of really impacting them for a lifetime because they're going to remember those relationships and they're going to remember that investment um, in them and their hopes and dreams to ultimately, I mean, really the bottom line is we need to help them lead a good life. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's way more than school. It's about them being happy. So.
1: I love how you say that's like a missing data point that there's so much there and Um, I know that Isaiah Sterling is someone that you've connected with and uh, we had him on the podcast and it's so interesting how how we do forget um, to ask our our number one customer, our number one person that we're trying to reach. We, um, you know, once again, keep it within the mindset of our PLC group or this or that, but we we rarely do ask students um, their thoughts or their opinions or how am I doing uh, as your teacher um, or as administrators, So uh, I'm so excited to check out that book of, uh, that, that's coming out or that came out in April. That's so awesome. I appreciate that. Okay, so among that book, but others, uh, share a message from one of the books that uh, co-authored uh, or contributed to that will cause our listeners to take action.
2: Absolutely. Um, along that leadership line, really, our heart and soul was poured into escaping the school leaders' dunk tank because uh, Dr. Judd and I, we were kind of drawn together because we were going through some similar things um, kind of behind the scenes. When you cross that threshold into district office, the politics just change that don't really prepare you. Even as an instructional coach, you're, you're walking into this new situation and dynamic of humans that you don't want to believe exists because most of us went into the profession with this idealistic view that we're going to change the world we're going to make a difference and just genuinely good people um and and i would say that is still true but i would say within that we still have this dynamic of humanness and um kind of that continuum of good to bad and um and so we're not really prepared for the politics that happened behind the scenes. And so through our conversation, we really found some commonalities, um, had talked to so many other educators and it was just this undercurrent of, nobody's really talking about adversity and that human element um, going on behind the scenes. And so we were drawn to each other's stories and then we were drawn to everybody else's stories. And we just kept collecting these vignettes of, educational leaders that were trying to do good that, that had good intent doing the right thing but found themselves tangled in this web of adversity um, that just kind of happened not seeing all those signs along the way those those little uh, mile markers that could have been clues to course correct or maybe handle situations a little bit differently and that goes for dr judder and i um, we have made um, our mistakes along the road and so Really, we walk through those vignettes of the teachers and the adversity that they face, but we deconstruct the situation to really talk about, you know, what happened behind the scenes and what could be done differently. But pretty much, or for the most part, our my very favorite part of the book is that last half of the book when we talk about prevailing. So what are those things that we can do um, behind the scenes as a positive thriving leader to set boundaries and and, and really thrive. And, and it's something as small as giving, leaving positive notes on people's desks and, and killing people with kindness. Um, so even along that lines or along that line, but it's also surrounding yourself with an army of positive people. So really truly building that PLN, building a, um, a positive digital footprint and, and really um, moving beyond that um, level of adversity to thrive and knowing when to retreat so when you know you can kind of feel you're hitting that um, that point where things are taking a, a turn in the negative direction you know who to go to and you know how to go back and fill yourself up because we have to be strong and thriving and happy to really be able to lead people in that direction too so knowing when to retreat or knowing when to cut bait and jump ship it's okay um, but it's that self-awareness um, and, and putting boundaries in place so that ultimately we can thrive as leaders and prevail.
0: It really goes with your theme of hope. It does. It's shining in the background. Yes. That's totally my word. <laughs> yes. Those, those little acts of kindness go a long way. And that focus on positivity is so important.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, reflect on these statements. Right now, one thing that is going well for me is, and I want to grow by.
2: Ooh. well, here's what's insane. What's going really well for me is um, being an author and writing. It, It seems like even the Fire Within book, that one came after these two books. And honestly, it's like my most powerful writing. So It's crazy that I keep getting better and better at that. But I think it's because I'm more and more vulnerable. It's not the act of writing and the words. It's it's the level of vulnerability and willingness to share, I think. And um, so that one was probably the most uh, personal and close to my heart. And, you know, I could read it again and it it would um, draw emotion. So that authorship piece is uh, really amazing. Um, A growth point for me is really mastering that art, um, of speaking. Cause I'm always grasping for words. Um, even live in this podcast, you know, because my, I'm, I have a dialogue running in the back of my mind. Um, and then at the same time, like I want to make sure I articulate the right words. And so really, um, I'm going to be pouring some time into just some speaking coaching and getting better at that because it's not, it's not my strong suit. Authenticity is, but really that wordsmith of, um, saying things articulately, it doesn't always come natural to me. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. (laughs) Thank
1: you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What three words would you describe, uh, use to describe the person who has made the greatest impact on your life? And why did those words come to mind? Ooh, that's tough.
2: Uh, So I'm thinking it through. Um, I'm going to say
1: unconditional
2: and and really about every aspect that that idea of unconditional love like there's nothing that you could do to change their you know love for you and understanding of you but really and also also having a belief in me greater than maybe what i have in myself um and then probably just a challenge a, a new challenge to rise to So maybe unconditional belief and challenge.
0: Great words. What's been a game changing moment for you in the field of education?
2: Ooh, this one's really recent. I had the biggest cognitive shift. Um, Like I literally was blown away about three weeks ago. Um, Since our book Let Them Speak came out and student voice is really something that the nation is rallying around and, and really tuning into because of the importance of it, Um, I had uh, Dr. Erin Robb from uh, Stanford reach out to me, and she is the co-founder of reenvisioned.org. And she has interviewed over 10,000 students about student voice. And so we were talking and she she kept asking me, she's like, so what is it ultimately that we're trying to do with our students? So we wanna empower them with student voice, we want those connected relationships, but what is that ultimate goal? And You know, I'm like, well, we want to make sure that they're they're prepared. They're going to be successful in the real world. And she said, well, what if we if we zoom out just a little bit more? What if it's bigger than that? What if it's to help them have a good life? And for whatever reason, it was a cognitive shift for me. And I know everybody's shifts are just about timing, but I became introspective of myself because I'm thinking, you know, I'm working hard as a mom. Of kids of trauma. I'm working hard as a director. I'm working hard as an author so that, you know, someday I'll have that relief of being happy. But I have every element to be happy right now. And there's no reason why not. But the second shift to that was of our students, because I struggle with kids of poverty, um, kids in other cultures that, you know, you could even see their third world situation on TV and it just like tugs your heartstrings and you just want to like melt into a puddle. But really, if you deconstruct what makes a good life, there's a high potential that they're happier than I am, or there, there's a high potential that they're happier than somebody else that has a, a million dollars a month coming in because of the love of their community that they're surrounded by. And so I think that sometimes we put, um, uh, I can the word, but, but we put things on kids with their expectation That's our schema, not theirs. It's our, we're, we're imposing our belief on them, which if we do like Dr. Aaron Robin, we simply interview kids and ask the kids the question, what makes a good life for you? And we work backwards from their goal and we help them meet their goal. Then we have authentically, really truly made an impact on humanity rather than imposing like our version of perspective of a good life. So like, it just blew me away. Like I'm still processing it. Um, because it was a mind shift for me. Probably shouldn't have been, but it was.
1: Uh-huh. That's really powerful. Is, really yes. powerful. <laughs> I can see why you're still taking time to process that one. <laughs>
2: yeah, it is. It's a big one.
1: Okay. If your cup's not full, you cannot fill the cup of others. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Cheers.
1: How do you promote self-care?
2: This is an interesting question because I've been the worst about that. Um, but ever since I've, I've had that cognitive shift, I have completely changed and altered the way that I even exist. And, and interestingly enough, and it sounds crazy, but I'm learning to put myself first instead of last because of that reason. Because I, I understand that um, if I am not filled and genuinely authentically happy, then I can't transpose that, or offer that, or give that as a gift to anybody else. And so, I've I've kind of shifted things, and uh, you know, I live in a lake community, so now it's just like, oh, I'm just gonna grab the dog and go walk around the lake. Oh, I'm just gonna do what you know, what I want. But beyond that, it also is just having a, a community of just amazing people, even on our Voxer group, you know. We can, I can get up, up and shoot a Vox to, to any of those in the prevailing leaders group and just have an army of people to support. Um, but the biggest piece probably is retreating. So for example, the next week, I'm going to be going out of town and I'm shutting off all social media. Like I'm going to totally go dark other than I told Dr. Jetter in case there's something big, text me. But other than that, I'm going dark, you know. But really, truly setting those boundaries to specifically unplug Um, it's hard. So I don't know if my advice is super big or super um, impactful other than, you know, you just have to learn to retreat and you have to see when that's starting to waver and when it is, you have to dial back and
1: reflect. I love that. Our um, vacation that my family uh, takes in July, I do that too. There's really no service, but then also um, it's way up in Minnesota, right by Canada. And um, so I shut my phone off from like, day we left to like that next monday when i like walked back into the office um it was so great and i don't know you know how many days it took me to kind of like be okay with not having my phone on me um or like checking something but um i hope to uh do that again this year and then have little you know components of that built in through the year and there's you know people have said I shut my phone off to a certain time or, you know, there's apps that shut off certain apps, an app to shut off apps, <laughs> That's awesome. uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's so much of that where you need to kind of live in the moment or do one thing right then and, and wait on other things instead of trying to balance it all and and doing a little bit here and there and not doing a great job at it. So absolutely.
0: Okay. This month we are promoting hashtag find your jam July. What's your jam and how do you empower yourself to grow in this area?
2: Ooh, my jam. Well, probably <laughs> my biggest jam right now is the social emotional learning piece in the students of trauma, because it's something that um, is growing exponentially in our nation. But again, it's one of those um, less talked about uh, topics and currently in my district, we do have a high number of students that have really high needs, and it, it's such a high number now. They're not, you know, classrooms that you can outsource that type of thing. We have to learn how to de escalate, um, we have to, you know, learn those conscious discipline uh, techniques and restorative justice. And so, really looking at the, um, the brain science behind that. And then as a mother, all three of my children are adopted from the foster system and they had severe neglect and trauma their first three years of life. And it's interesting now that they are seven, 11 and 12, we're actually having. More occurrences of issues that were in those first three, three years of life. And even as a mother, having to go back and alter adult behavior. To serve students or to even serve my own children. And so it almost feels like backward parroting, just like I think for some of our teachers, it might feel like you're rewarding bad behavior, but that is not the brain science and that's not the healing process for students that, and our kids that, you know, their, their brains didn't um, develop the way that they should have um, through that hierarchy of needs. So um, I've really been pouring a lot of time into that and developing something for our district here embrace and really serve our kids in a different way than we have.
1: That
0: is awesome. I think that's a need across many districts. We we see the same thing that you're talking about and that reflecting on your adult behavior is so important. Absolutely. Okay, we've come to the moment in this interview where it's time to share your fast five. We're going to fire five questions at you and we want you to answer with the first thought that comes to mind.
1: Okay. All right, here we go, Renee, fire away.
0: What was your best subject in school?
2: Best sub- probably uh, reading, writing, ELA.
1: Would you rather be transported permanently 500 years into the future or 500 years into the past?
2: Ooh, I would say the future <laughs> for sure. Like I like living on the edge. <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, I think a photographer
1: or an artist.
2: Okay. I know that's two, but. That's okay. <laughs>
1: what's, what's the best gift to give an educator? Ooh, I would say hope. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Really it's cool. Of hope in the back. I mean, I mean <laughs> more decor.
0: <laughs> give a shout out to one person you went to tune into this episode.
1: Ooh.
2: I would probably say, um, hmm. I got to think bigger than little, right? Uh, Ooh, I want to think global big. I don't want to think, probably Bill Gates. How about that?
1: All right. (laughs) We'll we'll tag him in there. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. We've seriously enjoyed uh, getting to connect with you and and hear all these amazing things that you're doing and um, just the passion you have for some of these things like trauma-informed care, Um, and just, uh, helping other leaders and and teachers get through some of those tough situations. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners or any closing statements?
2: No, I would just say, just always try and duplicate one. So it's really all about your sphere of influence and not having to take on the world, but whoever's in your presence that day, just making a positive impact.
1: Awesome.
0: Yeah. Great message.
2: Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. you. Tune in next week to learn
0: more as we share Mo EDU.
1: Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.